Good morning, my patriot friends. Welcome to My Patriot Brain, the show that explodes your cortex with conservative values. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Mather. Today is Thursday, November 15th. Actually, it's November 16th. Thursday, November 16th, 2023. I am coming to you from behind the MPS Behavioral Science Analytics Microphone. Thank you for downloading this episode. My Patriot Brain is recorded live and published twice a week, every Monday and Thursday morning on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. We are also available on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. You can follow My Patriot Brain on Spotify and share the show with your friends, your loved ones, your, mem- your family members, your enemies, and anyone else you can think of who needs inside My Patriot Brain. Go to my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com for free content. At my website, you can also find my book, Implicit Biases in the Unconscious, Liberal Biases, Racial Prejudice, and Politics, available exclusively at barnesandnoble.com. You can follow me on Locals, Truth Social, Rumble, and I am at CS Psych OK on True Social and Locals. I am the conservative social psychologist on Rumble. You can search locals.com for my Patriot Brain community and you can see posts related to the show and engage with others. Um, currently, I'm, I'm putting up the day before previews of what the episode will be uh, the following morning. So in the evening, like last night, I put up uh, a few kind of teaser things on what the today's episode would be about. And then I cross my fingers and hope I actually talk about those things on the show. If you go to theconservativesocialpsychologist.com, which is my website, you can click on the link to my Truth Social account where I post articles that are related to this show. All right, moving on. In college football news, AP Top 5 rankings, uh, Georgia's ranked number one, followed by Michigan at two, Ohio State at three, Florida State at four, and Washington at five. Uh, Number 14, University of Oklahoma plays at BYU, 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN. OU is a 24.5-point favorite. Uh, University of Florida plays at Texas Tech in Lubbock, 4 p.m. Central Time on FS2. Uh, Texas Tech is a two and a half point favorite. And the Dallas Cowboys play at the Carolina Panthers at noon on Central Time. All of these are Central Time. Uh, at noon Sunday on Fox, uh, Dallas is a 10 and a half point favorite. So, jumping right into things, uh, I saw a commercial the other day, and I'm going to preface this with I'm not making fun of. Uh, domestic violence. Uh, it's a very serious issue that should be addressed. I am making fun of Purina. Uh, Purina, the company, had a, a quite a virtue signaling commercial. Uh, and and so I, and some of this is because I study attitudes and persuasion, and so I study the tactics that are used in these things, and I understand them. Uh, and so this was one where you see like dog food spilled on the floor, and there's a woman there, and the dog's trying to eat the dog food everywhere, and the woman's sitting there, and there's a guy standing over her all angry. I guess he got mad and maybe hurled a bowl of dog food across the room or something. I don't know. The whole thing is about like the woman and the dog escaping and how Purina supports domestic violence abuses, abuse, people abuse pets, right? The, the pets. Everyone forgets about the pets, but you, as a woman, can run away with your dog, and Purina has given money to somebody that will maybe help take care of the dog, right? Maybe give some dog food. Okay. Pulls at the heartstrings. It's an emotional thing. Uh, it's a super woke signaling, virtue signaling, right? I mean, this is a dog food company. It's it's Purina. You're making dog food, okay? But you're going to make this huge social statement. And, you know, anyway, so Purina's message, men are bad, run to us, uh, single women with your dogs, uh, come, to, come to Purina, we will take care of you, right? And so it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's not that the message of necessarily, you know, taking care of battered women or kids or any of that is a bad message. It's just a bizarre one to connect to dog food. Um, it just seems like more of the woke virtue signaling. 
but anyway, so uh, obviously, you know, over time, the things I've said on the air, Budweiser, Purina, these are these are companies that are probably not going to sponsor my show. Um, I'm not going to get them to sponsor it anyway, but those are companies that are probably going to look back on things I've said and not do that. So why don't I go ahead and go after the, uh, um, was it the ASPCA, the old, those commercials with Sarah McLaughlin? I remember when I, I first realized um, how they were playing us. It was when my son was, oh, just a few months old. Anyway, he's sitting there. He, he couldn't walk around yet. He was, I know he was sitting in his little boppy watching TV in front of it, and the commercial came on. And it was one of those tear-jerking commercials where, you know, the, the abused dogs and all the stuff that was you know, on there with these awful animals and their conditions and, and, you know, you've got to save these animals. Well, he was smiling and giggling and laughing. I know I've talked about this before. Uh, on a previous show, but they were, he was smiling and giggling and laughing and having a blast. And I'm just sitting there like, wow, this is a powerful commercial. What's wrong with my kid? And I started looking at it closely from a kid who doesn't understand language. And I was like, oh my gosh, these actually are very well-fed dogs. They're kept in really nice kennels and places. It's just that when they zoom in on them and they show them um, looking back up at the camera, uh, and then they have the message on there that these are all horribly abused dogs. They're being starved. Well, you just kind of passively take the message and you, the, the connection to the animals gives you an emotional connection. It's one of the basic fundamentals of advertising, right? Animals, babies, sex, those things all sell. Uh, so it connects to the emotion there. And they're trying to get you to donate money. But if you stop and look at it, if you hit the mute button on it, I started doing that on some of those commercials. I hit the mute button. And at least back then, the animals were they said were starving and mistreated were very well fed and well kept. They were just showing video footage of regular dogs uh, and then claiming all the stuff on the, with the words. So anyway, it felt like the same kind of thing with Purina, um, making that step, trying to um, connect to emotions. But in this case, uh, it was a social justice issue. Again, domestic violence is a serious issue um, that should be taken seriously. Um, <laughs> and as I say that, I'm like, it's so serious that we ought to be considering that when we buy dog food, right? That's where it gets ridiculous. Okay, so speaking of companies, right? Brahms. We talked about the um, the what are the the automatic hand washers and how I couldn't get the washers to work. Anyway, and then I went to Brahms a separate occasion. The door was just malfunctioning. It had nothing to do with my skin tone, but it was the next day and I couldn't get in. Right, and everybody's watching me and I couldn't get in the door. It wouldn't the doors wouldn't open. Well, I went back to Brahms to get milk yesterday. I was like, oh, I'm going to surprise the family and I'll go ahead and pick up milk. Like I can do stuff myself. I can do stuff. I'll, I'll go get milk. Um, anyway, so I get to the door and as I'm approaching the door, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go for it. Right. Cause last time it wouldn't open no matter what I did, I jumped up in front of it and other people would walk right in and out. It had, it had no problem. And everybody was just staring at me like I was crazy from inside the restaurant, the restaurant, if, if you call it Brahms a restaurant, uh, I was, uh, anyway, so I was approaching and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go for it and hope this thing opens. If not, then I'm going to smash into this, like a bird flying into a window and everybody's going to stare at me there too. And so I bravely just charged right on in. And it felt like Indiana Jones when he takes that leap of faith and he steps out on that bridge that's not there, but he just trusts that it's there. I'm like, all right, I'm going for it. I'm just going to charge in. That door is going to open. And it opened. So I got into Brahms. I got milk. I was able to get back out also. So success. Uh, yesterday I was driving and there was a cat. And the cat was getting ready to cross the street. And it was one of those awkward moments. It made eye contact with me. I was driving down the road at about probably 35 or 40 miles an hour on Broadway uh, here in Edmond, uh, in downtown Edmond. And so it's, he's, and he comes to the edge of the sidewalk and he just stops and looks over at me and he wants to cross. I'm like, don't do it, cat, don't do it. 
I, I didn't want to, I, I don't want to run him over for sure. I also didn't want to slow down um, because that's kind of my personality, but I wasn't going to run him over and I was going to slow down, but I didn't want to have to slow down anyway. So he's like, he approaches it and he looks up at me and he makes eye contact with me and he waits. It's like, that's a pretty, pretty cool cat. You know, he's waiting for me to cross, for, go ahead and go so he can cross the street. But then I looked in my rearview mirror. I'm like, there's another car behind me. I hope he understands that there's more than one car. Because there had been no cars on the street. I was the first one on that one. And so I looked in my rearview mirror and watched them start to go as soon as I cleared. And I'm like, oh no, there's another car not far behind me. And the cat started to go out and then he like raced across in front of the second car. And I thought, you know, that's pretty complicated for a cat to go to the edge of the street, wait for the car to go by, and then go after the car. Like that's a pretty cognitive, you're pretty a complex cognitive task that he's got to engage in. Uh, and to think there could be more cars behind it. Uh, you know, most animals are just reacting to things in front of them. So they just kind of go up and they back up and go up and back up, right? Or maybe not even look. They're looking at the street. They're like, i clear and go. Because they're not wired for something to be barreling down the road at 35 or 40 miles an hour. Um, but anyway, this cat I thought was extraordinarily smart. But he wasn't quite smart enough because he didn't, he didn't look for more cars behind the first one. Um, but he didn't get run over. He got across fine. Everything was was fine, but a smart cat. And he, the fact that he made eye contact with me was just so bizarre. Um, I, if you've never made eye contact with a cat, it was just like a pedestrian, you know, you look over at a pedestrian and, and you kind of gauge whether they're going to go or not. And they're gauging whether you're going to stop or not, but it was the same thing with the cat. All right. Other random things, uh, I guess. Uh, I just realized that the, the cane who sings on my country music radio does not appear to be the cane from the beer commercials that I watch on television. They seem to be two completely different musically based canes. Uh, all right, driving to Wichita, Kansas earlier this week, and it was it was beautiful. If you drive to Kansas this time of year, and you'll see lots of of uh, geese flying around. And I saw at one point as I was getting close to the city of Wichita. I saw, I was able to count 10 massive flocks of geese at the same time. Like I could see 10 flocks of geese at the same time. Not like I was driving around and saw one, here's another one, two, here's another three. But I was like, look around. I'm like, hey, one, two, three, right? All the way up to 10. 10 and you know, I don't like to count on the air and do math. Um, 10 flocks of geese at the same time. It was very majestic uh, to see them all flying across the plains. And Kansas is flat enough that you can see, um, you know, a lot of stuff at the same time. But it was beautiful. It's the time of year where they're 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 migrating. Uh, I was driving through <laughs> driving through Edmond the other day. There was a there was a, unfortunately a funeral processional, and so I was explaining to my daughter what that was and why we all pulled over and out of respect and um, and what the police were doing, uh, what the families were doing. So I was explaining that to her, and then I said, you know, I've I've got a funeral processional story, and so I don't think I've ever told this story. I'm pretty sure I've never told this story on the air. But I was back in college, and I was going to play golf with some buddies. And they lived uh, in a house. Actually, actually, just one buddy lived there. Um, but he lived in a house off of a, a one-way street in a small town. And so I could either drive and go all the way down the other end of the one-way in one -way street several blocks and then come up to his house to pick him up. Or he was this is like the second house from the, the, uh, from the corner. And so I could just kind of cheat and drive the wrong direction on the one-way street for like two houses and then turn into his house. <clears throat> when I did that, he's on the left side of the road. So I would turn, I would turn down the, <clears throat> the wrong way of the one-way street and then turn left into his house. Just kind of cheating real quick. You know, it doesn't seem like a big deal. 
completely harmless. Anyway, one day when I did that, I turned left down there, and now I'm playing chicken with a funeral processional that's coming down the road. Uh, and I have nowhere to go because I can't turn left because once by the time I do that, they're getting there. And they're only, they're not very far away. I mean, they're like half a block away. And I turn down, I'm like, oh crap, I'm, I'm going head on with a funeral procession illegally down a one-way street that I'm not supposed to be going down. And so I quickly veer off to the right into somebody else's driveway and park. I think there was an empty lot right there. So I pull into this empty lot in between houses and just park there in the, in the grass and then for whatever reason, in, instead of being humiliated and sitting in my car until the funeral processional goes by, I decide to hop out, grab my golf bag, and then just stand there in the street while I'm waiting for the funeral processional to go by, which I immediately regretted after I did that. I think when you're you know, 20 years old, uh, maybe you don't think through all the consequences of your actions. And so I'm like, okay, and now I'll grab my golf bag and now I'll stand over and okay, I've got to wait for this thing to go by. And everybody's just glaring at me and crying. And I'm like, oh, this is humiliating. Uh, anyway, that was my funeral processional story. So every time I see a funeral processional, I think about that awful moment um, when I played chicken with the funeral processional and then stood there <laughs> with my golf bag um, and tried not to wave at everybody coming by glaring at me. Okay, so I checked out, uh, when I was traveling, I, had, I listened to Brian Kilmeade a little bit. Again, he's my second choice for that morning time slot behind Glenn Beck, but I'd the radio, I was in the middle of nowhere, and I couldn't get very many radio stations, so I listened to him. He did an interview with Ted Cruz. I don't have a lot to say about this other than apparently Ted Cruz has a new book out called Unwoke. Uh, it's probably worth checking out. Okay, so in the news, uh, new story by Timothy Narazi, November 15th, 2023, in Fox News. Posted, I posted on my True Social. Uh, Vatican reaffirms the grave, grave sin of Freemasonry, says Catholics cannot join the world's largest secret society. So the Freemasons, a secretive you know, fraternal organization, uh, were established, established their first Grand Lodge in England in 1717. And it was declared, to, being a Freemason was declared to be an excommunicable offense by Pope Clement XII in 1738. Um, one of the things about Freemasonry is there's a lot of quasi-Christian uh, ritualistic components to it, um, which is what's led to this. Uh, back in 1983, Cardinal Ratzinger, who was, became the Pope, uh, wrote a declaration on Masonic associations, which essentially reaffirmed that the Catholic Church still held the position of, um, you know, it's a sin to be a Freemason. Uh, and then more recently, that that's what the Vatican did too. They said, yeah, no, it's still a sin. So anyway, to all you Catholics out there who are Freemasons, um, you know, you may have to, you may have to chat about that a little bit with somebody. Okay. Another article, uh, Democrats in disarray over new FBI headquarters by Spencer Brown, uh, November 13th, 2023 town hall. I posted this on my truth social. So the FBI is getting a new building, right? The J Edgar Hoover building is kind of a dump. And if you drive by it, it's just sad the way they've got all these barricades around it and have it protected, um, to a level that is just kind of frightening. But anyway, so the, uh, actually I, I have a story about that building too. When I was a, it's a good story to tell on the air. So w when I was on a, a class trip back in, when I was in the seventh grade uh, and went there, I had purchased a George Bush for president um, campaign button and stuck it in my wallet. And I had purchased it outside, you know, somewhere in DC and, and stuck it in my wallet. And so when we went to go in, uh, 
the building that set off the metal detectors. And so I had two agents draw their guns on me while a third agent frisked me. Uh, and I, and as he was frisking me, I said, oh, it's probably my belt buckle. And not a single one of them laughed. Uh, and then eventually they found it was a George Bush for president uh, pin uh, in, my, in my wallet. So, yeah, it was my first time into the, in the J. Edgar Hoover building. Uh, but anyway, so the FBI is going to get a new building, and they're looking to move their main office. And so they're currently saying they're going to move it to, to Maryland. Uh, and the General Services Administration, the GSA, is supposed to be a very unbiased entity that looks on how to objectively spend government funds the best way they can. And they selected a Greenbelt, Maryland, uh, as the place for the location. But apparently there was a lot of bureaucracy that went into this uh, as far as somebody overruled somebody else and the committee wanted this and somebody else wanted this. These are all Biden appointees in these political positions that were doing this. Uh, and apparently it's a, former Mar- it's, a, it's a former agent's land in Maryland, which is what they got, everything got overruled to. And now they're going to spend money on that land uh, and build it there. And so some Democrats are mad about the decision, including, uh, I'm going to go ahead, I don't know if he's a Democrat or not, but Christopher Ray. we can just all pretend like he's a Democrat um, based on everything he's done. Um, anyway, so they're all fighting with each, all the Democrats are fighting with each other about the corruption. So it just seemed to me like this is, you know, kind of poetic justice for the Democrats, right? You, you know, it's like swamp meets swamp, right? Like you guys are all swampy, you're all corrupt, and now you're mad because uh, your corruption isn't getting its way over the other corruption. Like that's where we're at. And this this kind of typifies that. Uh, another article I posted on my Truth Social um, by Leah Barkukas, November thirteenth, two thousand twenty-three, in Town Hall. Dystopian DC CVS has a unique way of dealing with rampant theft. And I've talked a number of times about DC. And when I was in DC last year, discussing with people about crime, the people that that run small businesses downtown. Um, said that there seems to be massive amounts of crime anywhere you have a CVS in D.C. So this is like a big thing. A D.C. CVS is like a crime hub. Anyway, like a world-class crime hub. And not that the CVS is doing anything wrong, um, but that's just where the criminals seem to congregate. So now they have, uh, for staples like toilet paper, they have framed pictures. Uh, that's why they say it's dystopian. So in the aisles, you go down the aisles, there's just pictures of the products that you want. So... Toilet paper was getting stolen a lot, so toilet paper, those kind of things. You have to tap a buzzer for an employee to go get you the real product. So there's, you see there's this, these aisles of pictures of the product, and then you have to get somebody else to go get it for you. You know, the same way that Sudafed products are sold out here in meth country where I live, um, that's not anything out of the ordinary, where you can go in and you can find the little card of the thing you want, and then you can go get somebody else to go get you the thing that you actually want if it's a Sudafed product. Speaking of meth country... I uh, posted this on my true social by Sister Tolja, November 14, 2023. Senator Mullen gives perhaps the most Oklahoma response ever after Senate hearing fight challenge goes viral. Um, it was posted, posted on my true social. It's in town hall. Uh, I love that headline. It's my favorite of all of these, right? Senator Mullen gives perhaps the most Oklahoma response ever <laughs> after Senate hearing fight challenge goes viral. And so he, he got into it. If you haven't seen, he got into it with the uh, Teamsters General President Sean O'Brien, who had been talking a lot of trash about him. And I hate, okay, Senator Mullen is my senator, and I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. I hate the fact that all of the clips that you see of it, almost all of the clips you see of it, start with Mullen reading the tweet as if he's, as if that's the challenge to the other guy. So you're like watching this, like, man, this guy's crazy. Well, he's reading the challenge of the other guy to him 
on the record. And then he stands up and, you know, they go back and forth a little bit. So, um, you know, my response to this, you know, this is why I voted for Mullen, right? Is I want him, I wanted him to represent Oklahoma and he's, he's doing that. At least he's representing me. Uh, that, that Teamsters guy was just seems like total slime. Uh, the, they also, the progressives should be happy because they want us to be more like Europe and you know what they fist fight in Europe in parliament and places like that all the time. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool. So the president, Teamsters General President Sean O'Brien was on, did an interview with CNN where he played the victim, and you know then uh, Mullen went on Newsmax and did an interview, and you know Mullen said, you know Andrew Jackson had nine duels while he was in office and also knocked out a guy at a dinner, so this is not atypical for our history to have this type of you know discourse. Um, but what usually gets left out is the fact that you know it keeps getting portrayed as if you know Mullen just went after this poor guy who had challenged him to a fight on Twitter. Um, Mullen also offered to do, to have an actual, you know, fight like a, like a, for charity uh, with the money going to charity, you know, Sean O'Brien who called him out and specifically basically said like, Hey, you think you're a tough guy. You can fight me anytime, any place. And then Mullen said, okay, well, this is the time and the place. And then Bernie Sanders jumped in. It's like some kind of weird dream, right? <laughs> like, and then Bernie Sanders was there uh, running the mic, telling everybody to stop fighting. Um, there was no fight, but what was really cool was, okay, I have to be careful. I don't want to advocate violence, right? So I don't want to get in trouble with, with my uh, platforms, but on Newsmax, so I'm just reporting what was done and said on Newsmax, they asked Mullen, they said, so what would you, what would you have done? Um, if he had, if he had wanted to fight you in that meeting, he said, what would you done? He said, well, if we were sitting closer together, I was going to grab his tie and slam his head repeatedly into the table. (laughs) Uh, and he said, but he was farther back. So I would have probably jumped over the thing and I'm not sure what I would have done next. It depended on what he would have done towards me and what he gave me. And then I would have responded to that. Anyway, I'm like, he had it mapped out. Like he was ready to go. Uh, anyway, so I, Senator Mullen is, he's a fantastic dude. Uh, I've never met him. I've been in a lot of meetings with him. He's a real, he's a guy, like he's a real, he's a good guy. Like he's a guy, um, just kind of like the rest of us out here. Uh, he's super smart, and and you wouldn't necessarily think that. And the way that the media portrays him doesn't always come off that way. He's incredibly he's incredibly intelligent. You can tell what, but when he's off script and he's talking about uh, different things he's doing, um, you know, like getting people out of Afghanistan and and other things he does that that doesn't get much attention. Um, anyway, so he he's a good guy, uh, and that Teamsters guy seemed like complete slime. So um, anyway, I'm not regretting my vote. I am very proud of my vote for Mark Wayne Mullen, and I will vote for him every time he runs for anything. Uh, he, he's an impressive guy. And he may not fall right in line on every particular issue or whatever, um, but he's got a core set of values that he sticks to that are aligned with mine. Uh, and the decisions he makes are well thought out. And he's a fighter, and not, not just like physical fighter, but he's a, he's a fighter uh, in the intellectual sense, and he represents us very well in the Senate. Uh, all right, so moving on. Uh, is, Israeli forces are reportedly getting crucial intelligence from an unlikely source by Matt Vespa, November 13th, 2023, Town Hall. I posted it on my Truth Social. Uh, and so one of, the, one of the places they're getting a lot of intelligence are the Gazans who have escaped because the Gazans who have escaped don't like Hamas. And so they're giving uh, crucial intel um, to the Israeli military. 
another article, um, company behind Miss Universe files for bankruptcy after accepting transgender contestants by Alexander Hall, November 14th, 2023, Fox Business. Uh, the JKN Global Group filed for bankruptcy. Uh, transgender celebrity and uh, Jokra Jukatip um, bought the Miss Universe organization for $20 million in, in 2022. This one will be held in El Salvador on November 18th, 2023. Uh, there will be at least two transgender people featured, uh, Miss Portugal and Miss Netherlands. And here's a quote from the Miss Universe organization as they told CNN in October, which was just a few weeks ago. Trans women are women, full stop. We are here to celebrate women, full stop. This has been true for more than a decade, and we're proud to have made this change very early on compared to other programs. All right. Well, I don't... You know, the market kind of dictates what people are looking for in something like a Miss Universe pageant, and I'm just going to go ahead and add the other fact that they are now going bankrupt right after they made that decision. Okay, uh, another article. Senate, Senate Democrats come after Tommy Tuberville with Rules Committee vote by Rebecca Downs, November 14th, 2023, Town Hall, and I posted this on my Truth Social. So the Senate Rules Committee, uh, remember Senate's controlled by the Democrats, so they control the committees. Senate Rules Committee voted to advance a resolution to allow Chuck Schumer to advance military promotions for nominations for this Congress, only, limit, only this Congress. So remember Tuberville, former Texas Tech football coach, uh, among other places, uh, Tom, Senator Tuberville uh, is refusing to allow for the consensual um, advancement of military promotions uh, through the Congress. So basically in, in the Senate, They've all just kind of had a gentleman's agreement that they will just accept all military promotions and move on. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. It's called unanimous consent. He said, no, I'm not going to do that as long as you're going to continue to uh, have PTO and travel funded for military family abortions, which is illegal. Uh, it's, and so he's held the line on that. They'd have to vote on every promotion by itself. They can do that. Chuck Schumer can completely do that. But the Senate is so lazy, they don't want to do that. And the Democrats don't want to spend their time um, going through all these promotions. So they'd rather make T Tuberville look like a villain. He's anti-abortion, which you know that the Democrats are pro-abortion. Uh, so he's anti-abortion. He's uh, holding up the process. He's everything that's wrong with government. Um, even though what he's doing is within the rules and he's challenging something that's illegal that they're doing um, still. Anyway, so the Senate Rules Committee voted to send a resolution forward that would still have to get passed with a pretty high threshold, I think, in the Senate uh, that would allow Chuck Schumer to just advance all the military promotions and nominations altogether, uh, and they wouldn't have to vote on every one of them. Um, anyway, they're, they're trying to unseat Tuberville's position on this. Uh, I don't know that they're going to get a lot of traction on it. He seems to have a pretty good leg to stand on. Also, they can't... They... they uh, there's ways that you have to vote on the rules. And so they're, they're claiming it's not a rules change. It's just a, a resolution that would allow something like that's a rule, right? Um, that would allow something during this Congress. So they're, they're trying to be shady in their ways of working their way around that too. All right. All right. So today's main topic, we're continuing on the social network theme of episodes 79 and 80. This is episode 81. Uh, so this is, uh, I'm going to describe, uh, a, a research article by Lee, Nagel, and Zhao from August 2023, Harvard Business School Strategy Unit Working Paper, which means it's not published yet as a peer-reviewed article. It's on its way towards that. It's, a, it's considered a, a working paper from the, the college. 
uh, number 24010. It's called Mapping Organizational Level Networks Using Individual Level Connections, Evidence from Online Professional Networks. And so these researchers examined the connections for 7,715 publicly traded U.S. companies um, from 2004 to 2018. Uh, that covers 9 million people and over 2 billion connections on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is a professional networking platform. Uh, and what they did is they looked specifically at companies and people and their connections, and they they looked for patterns with, and I say look, they're not just like flipping through them and looking. They're using high-level computer software programs to, to do that. And they were looking at employee-level professional connections. So not like how a company profile was connected to things, but how individual employees were connected to each other and who they were connected to. And so they found that out of this emerged uh, communities of firms uh, that exist based on their employee connections. And if you think about any company where, you know, in some industry industries, you'll end up hiring a lot of people from your competitors. And so become, they get a lot of overlap. So there are these communities of firms that exist based on their employee connections. So some things that they found that were really interesting, they found that how central a firm is in the network uh, indicates the firm's value. So the more central it is, the higher the value of the firm financially. And also the more centrally are the, the, uh, um, the higher the innovation inputs of um, amount, quantity, scientific impact, so the importance of the, the innovation and the economic value of the, out, uh, of the outputs of the innovation. So um, examples of those things, uh, research and development spending uh, are inputs to innovation. Uh, patented innovation outcomes are outputs of innovation. And so the more centrally networked uh, the firm is based on the networking of their employees, uh, then the more that they spent on research and development, uh, the more patents that they produced also. Uh, the most connected companies by industry, and, and again, this is an overall kind of a, a super level analysis of this, right? Because we're talking about the analysis of the employees themselves at all levels of the company, low level, high level, mid level, the, the connections of the employees. The most connected companies by industry, uh, companies in the information sector, manufacturing and finance insurance are the most connected. Uh, the most connected companies overall, Microsoft, Alphabet, IBM, Oracle, uh, Honeywell, General Motors, Target, Pfizer, AT&T, Texas Instruments, and Apple. Uh, so fascinating, the importance of, uh, the, importance of the, the connections that employees have and having a connected employee base has huge dividends for you at the bottom line later on. Uh, we'll get back to that in the closing thoughts. To the Patriot Brain Line from Chris in Washington, I've been doing a little research on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict going back in history. Some citations refer to BC before Christ, others BCE before the Common Era, and of course, the other, the other end of the spectrum is AD Anno Domini uh, and CE Common Era. These, of course, uh, are changes in lang of, to language resulting from the woke movement. It struck me that such changes, there are, and there are many more, make it difficult for researchers now and in the future. If you're reading a text from, say, 1950, you have to do some translating. How much of an impact do you think this represents for research and learning? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of baked into it. Um, you know, as you, as you become a researcher, you learn about the history of your field. And so you learn about the terminology shifts and you learn how to translate all of that on your own. So in pretty much all areas of, of intellectual inquiry, uh, it, it doesn't affect a lot. It can affect, um, you know, like for American psychiatric 
um, association and their DSM, where they categorize mental disorders, um, it can play a role there as you're redefining the mental disorder um, periodically. Um, let me give you an example of American Psychological Association style changes that, that have to do with you know, kind of what you're talking about. So subjects became participants because you participate in it. You're not subject to something. Uh, males and females used to be how people were described uh, uh, in your sample, and then it became men and women. And now I don't know what it is um, that you have to use for APA style to describe. Schizophrenics um, became people who have schizophrenia. Depressives became people who have depression. And so the, the style changed to try to capture far more kind of woke perspective. Uh, you know, the, and it's different in different areas, right? Psychological is different than psychiatric. Psychiatric is different than biological. Uh, I would encounter a lot of very rigid students who had been trained in APA style that would say, you can't say subjects, they're participants. And I'd say, well, I mean, there are subjects, though, in every other field of science currently, so I'm correct. Uh, and then I'm not writing it in a particularly APA style publication. I'm talking to you about the subjects of the study. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's how they make their changes. They, they affect language uh, and they go in and do that. But I will say this, you know, if you go back through time and you look at things in a field, I'll go with psychology for me, um, you know, some changes are okay. And I'm not, I'm not advocating for any of those changes that I gave to you. I think all of those changes I just gave you are ridiculous. Um, but some changes are okay, right? So if you go back and look at social psychology studies from the 1930s versus the 1950s versus the 2000s about race or color and how different ethnic groups of people are depicted in those discussions, uh, you know, those language changes were, were very needed uh, in that. And, and think back on uh, human, human studying. So just how far we've come. So I'll, I'll give you an example of, of some of the atrocities of science. Um, and if we hadn't changed our kind of context of how we view humans, uh, what could be happening there? So I think it was the Bronx Zoo in New York. No, no, it wasn't. I think it might, maybe it was in Europe. Um, anyway, there was a zoo that had a pygmy in it. And, and that pygmy had been captured in Africa. It's a, pygmy's a person, in case you didn't know. Um, had been captured in Africa and brought and lived, lived his life out in the zoo in captivity where everybody could see him. Maybe it was Leipzig, Germany. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say it wrong and, and, and slander a zoo that's not the right zoo. Um, but anyway, yeah, so there was a pygmy held in captivity in a zoo. Um, for everybody to look at and gawk at and, and lived his life, the rest of his life out in a zoo. So some of these changes are okay, right? There are legitimately bad things that happen, uh, you know, but that's the way that, you know, humans were thought of and conceptualized at the time, right? So that other um, races were, you know, subhuman, literally. And so you could put, put one in a zoo and that's awful. Uh, eventually he killed himself, I believe. I think that pygmy that lived there eventually killed himself in the zoo. So, um, I know that, you know, changing males and females to men and women or depressives to people who have depression seems kind of ridiculous, um, but there is a context behind things. And so I, you got to figure out which ones are reasonable and which ones are not, uh, right? Talking about races in a way that are subhuman and, and putting them in and putting a person in a zoo, uh, is something that is obviously completely unacceptable ethically. Um, and then, but then calling somebody a depressive would still seem like that's not an unethical thing. So. Anyway, uh, I hope that, Chris, I hope that helped a little bit with describing that. Um, but the end point of all that is that researchers are, are trained in the whole context of everything. So they know how to really basically kind of filter all that stuff out across time. 
Jason from Piedmont um, says, uh, gave me several questions. And so one of them is, what are your thoughts on the Mark Wayne Mullen and Teamsters president almost coming to blows in a Capitol Hill hearing? Personally, I would have loved to, to see Mullen beat the guy up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I kind of talked about this last week a little bit uh, about how I'm not advocating violence, but uh, it's different when you can, when there's no accountability for your actions when, or for your words when you say things. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, it's kind of like the Montgomery Gentry song where I come from, right? Where there's that line where a couple boys fight in the parking lot and nobody's going to call the cops. Uh, I mean, that's, that's how I grew up. I grew up in an oil town um, during the oil bust. So it was actually a pretty rough place. Uh, and, you know, I, you know, uh, people don't always understand that when they're from other places, right? Like the guy that was going after Mark Wayne Mullen and kept insulting his manhood and saying that he was, um, you know, a fake tough guy and that he'd fight him anytime, any place. And then when Mullen says, I'll fight you anytime, any place, you said that I'll fight you here. And then the guy's like, well, no, I was just talking about sitting down for coffee. Uh, and you know, trying to play the victim on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have would have been fun to see what Mulling would have done with the guy, um, but probably better that it didn't go that way. It would have been worse for Mullen. Uh, he's got such a bright future that I don't I don't want to see him uh, ruin it by doing something that either he or I would would do. Uh, next question from Jason from Piedmont: uh, Who should be the next Texas A&M coach? Well, I would say that they probably need to pay get somebody who's going to be less than seventy six million dollars worth of coach for them. Um, Alex Grinch is available. Uh, maybe they can hire him. Uh, are you con- Another question from Jason from Piedmont. Are you concerned with China buying up so much land in the United States? I am uh, very concerned with that. Uh, and Senator Langford and some others have advanced what's called the SOIL Act. And I don't remember what it stands for, but it, it's something, the L is for land, I'm pretty sure. Um, and it uh, has to do with foreign entities buying up land strategically, right? Because you could buy land. Right now, Chinese buy land in uh, in uh, in Oklahoma here for sure all over the country but Oklahoma they buy agricultural land they buy strategic land that's close to military place facilities where they can fly up drones they build walls around it there's a lot of organized crime I know I've talked about this in the past um, but the, my one concern with the soil act and I'm uh, com- the soil act allows the federal government to have review of you know any foreign entity that's going to buy land Um, which currently the states have that authority. And so my concern is, are the states ceding authority to the feds? As in, you know, do the feds have veto power over a purchase or are they just advising and running checks on, you know, hey, this company is a shell for this other company, which is a shell for this other company. So uh, I haven't looked into the act too thoroughly. Uh, I've been supportive of the entire idea. Um, But my question is, my concern is, you know, whether the feds are just consulting and providing information uh, and intelligence to help the state make their decision, or if the states are now ceding their authority to the feds, where the states have the authority to approve and disapprove land, but only if the feds say they can. Um, but either way, it's a problem. China buying up so much land in the United States is a, is a strategic problem for us, uh, and we should protect our, our land uh, and make sure that it's not going to foreign entities that are controlled by the government uh, or spying on us or uh, intentionally growing drugs and disseminating them into our communities. All right. Thank you. Patriot Brainline. Uh, voice message me through Spotify for podcasters. Engage with the show through Truth Social and Locals or email me at the email address listed on my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com. Independent podcasts thrive with private investments that offset the time and financial costs of equipment, software, writing, producing, editing, and on-air talent. 
please consider supporting My Patriot Brain with a small monthly donation. You can use the support button on the Spotify for Podcasters page or the support this podcast URL in the show description on your other listening platforms. Thank you for listening. We're strong together. Now it's time for my closing thoughts. The study we discussed today showed the importance of people being connected to people. It relates to the value of a firm and its quality of innovation. That's not a small thing. And it wasn't confined to just the C-suite. It occurred across all levels of employees. If you're an employer, it tells you the importance of hiring people who are connected to other professionals. If you're an employee, it tells you the importance of being connected to to other professionals. The AI bots may or may not be coming for all of us, but in the meantime, we have to be human with the other humans. Till I catch you next time, play hard and have fun. Listen to My Patriot Brain on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. Follow me on Truth Social, Locals, and Rumble. Check out my other content at theconservativesocialpsychologist.com.